The Mini Lives of Christian Dior. Episode 4 Becoming a Couturier. Christian Dior drew tirelessly clothes, hats, hundreds of sketches. It would surprise many in his world, beginning with his father. Christian joined him in the south, in Provence at Cayenne, to where, after his bankruptcy, Maurice Dior had retired. His little sister Catherine, the baby of the clan, and their faithful governess were also there. Before their eyes, Christian Dior revealed himself to be a fashion designer, and now there was no going back. His father, who had already lost everything, was no longer in a position to argue. From that point on, Christian Dior was going to be the one making money, and against all odds, supporting what was left of his family. And here was 120 francs. He was so delighted to be able to show them the money he had earned from selling his very first sketch. Those 120 francs, won for me by a faithful friend, were the first gleams of sun after a long night. They decided my future then, and they were to illuminate my whole life for the future. 120 francs was certainly not much, but it was something, and it was a start. Two months later, Christian Dior felt ready to return to Paris and propose his designs to the big haute couture houses. And people willing body sketches and ideas. Because Christian Dior had no shortage of ideas, and now we also had the talent to express them. At first, what worked best were his hat's designs. The hat was then an essential accessory. Milliners, the creators of hats, ran established businesses. Such was the case with Claude Saint-Cyr. Talk, boater, picture hat, whatever name you give it, it always starts the same way. To make a hat, you must first choose the material. And when it comes to preparing an entire collection, as for Claude Saint-Cyr, the making of this choice was an event in its own right. Christian Dior cut Saint-Cyr's eyes, impressing the famous milliner who bought many sketches from him, launching him in the process. I was no longer a humble designer who hung about waiting rooms, but a designer whose name was known and who made proper appointments for his visits. Christian Dior was now recognized by milliners and couturiers alike, designing both hats and dresses, all rendered with this flexible and expressive, but nevertheless very precise line. He conveyed the movement of his dresses, the dresses that would make him famous. Ultimately, everything I know, see or hear, every part of my life turns around the clothes which I create. They haunt me perpetually, until they are ready to pass from the world of my dreams into the world of practical utility. His success enabled Christian Dior to earn a proper living, allowing him to take an apartment, his first apartment, on the Rue Royale in the heart of Paris. Royale. There, he could finally entertain guests and fully live out his relationship with his boyfriend, Jean Combert. After making a name for himself as a freelance designer, Christian Dior joined the house of Robert Piguet in 1938. Robert Piguet, then regarded as the prince of couture, had offered him a role in his design team. Dior moved into 3D. In addition to drawing, he could give form to his ideas, which became dresses and day and evening assemblers. 
Among these was Café Anglais, the name of a design from the spring-summer 1939 collection that attracted the attention of clients and the press, including Marie-Louise Bousquet, the Paris correspondent for the American magazine Harper's Bazaar. It was she who introduced Christian Dior to Caramel Snow, the editor-in-chief of Bazaar, and the woman who, in 1947, would baptize his first collection, The New Look. But the joy of those initial successes would be quickly superseded by the desolation of a new and impending war. September 3rd. 1939, a great day in our history. France declared war on Germany. For eight months, the French troops remained armed behind the Maginot Line or behind the life fortifications hastily built where this line ceased to exist. A war of immobility, a war of waiting, a strange war. A war where the leaders are too weak to reconsider the situation and are as incapable of making peace as they are of declaring victory. Christian Dior learned that he had been mobilized. Goodbye Piguet, goodbye Paris. Now Christian Dior found himself in meun sur yevre a village in the Cher department. There, he was not on the battlefields, but cultivating fields instead. After the sophistication of Paris couture houses, it was a total change of scenery. And compared to others, it was a good life. And while that life no longer centered around the spring-summer or autumn-winter collections, It still took place to the rhythm of the seasons. Christian Dior spent four seasons on this farm at Marie-sur-Yèvre. Then came the fall of France, and he was demobilized in June 1940. The time for making dresses was past, and he threw himself into crops rather than couture, going to the markets with his sister Catherine, where they sold beans, tomatoes, and peas, which he likely incorporated into his sketches as he continued to design. He also resumed his activity as an illustrator for the fashion pages of Le Figaro, observing Paris fashions from the remove of Caillon. And he didn't like what he saw. Fashion in those days was, well, I have said enough about those hideous styles and monstrous hats at the beginning of this book. In the 10 years since the war ended, I have had great pleasure in taking my revenge on those hideous styles. This was the reality of fashion under the occupation, and there was nothing thrilling about it. He was determined to change that, and in order to do so, he headed back to Paris once more. It was the autumn of 1941. He no longer had his job at Piguet, but he was offered one at Lucien Lelon, where he had been turned down for an administrative position a few years earlier. Heading the house was Lucien Lelon, a major couturier and president of the Chambre Syndicale who fought to prevent the center of haute couture from being transplanted to Berlin. It was with this great man that Christian Dior worked as a designer, alongside Pierre Balmain, who, when he set out on his own, gave Christian the idea of also founding his own house. As we can see here, the ensembles are adapted to the present circumstances. Sobriety in the colors, simplicity of line, 
These are the characteristics of the dresses and coats you will be wearing this winter, ladies. Christian Dior did not succumb to the fashions that emerge under the occupation. On the contrary, he would espouse his own idea of femininity, setting in motion the beginnings of an imminent new look. In July 1944, Christian learned that his beloved sister Catherine had been arrested by the Gestapo on the Place du Trocadéro in Paris. Of course, there had always been a risk of this, a significant risk, as Catherine was a member of a resistance network, a network that had also met on occasion in Christian's apartment. But he still didn't imagine that she might be caught. She would be tortured and then sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp, from which she would return nine months later, in May 1945. Paris. Paris. Paris outraged. Paris shattered. Paris murdered. But Paris liberated. Liberated by herself, liberated by her people, in concurrence with the armies of France, with the support and concurrence of the whole of France, of fighting France, the only France, the true France, eternal France. Christian Dior reunited with his sister in a jubilant Paris. But while liberation may have come, it did not mark the end of privation. Coupons were the reality, and they were needed to eat, to keep warm, to dress. Fashion was still gray, and it was clearly not a priority. Christian Dior detested the fashions of recent years, seeing them as nothing more than a reminder of the occupation. Complete liberation would not come until the 12th day of February 1947, the date on which Christian Dior presented his first collection, the new look. But he obviously didn't know any of this yet. For the moment, he was a designer at Lucien Lelon, but another happy coincidence was awaiting him. It took the form of a fortuitous meeting in the street with an old friend, then working for Marcel Boussac, the industrialist and one of the richest men in France. He would end up being offered the role of designer in another house. But upon reflection, Christian Dior said no. The house, Philippe et Gaston, was already far too old-fashioned, and then Dior witnessed his colleague Pierre Balmain opening his own fashion house. And so he thought to himself, with his creation already garnering attention, why not me? Now he knew it, and he knew himself. He was ready. <laughs> 